We're live from Las Vegas as a couple guests stopping by on today's show. Dr. Arn Anderson will be through to talk about why it's important to have a good relationship with your vet and how it can save you money. And meteorologist Don Day will be in for an extended time on our show today to not only talk about long-term weather, but drought predictions. We're live from Las Vegas on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Well, hello, everyone, and we welcome you again to another edition of the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio Channel 147, Sirius XM. We're right here on Real Radio every Saturday and Sunday at 12 noon Eastern. And, of course, I always try to re- remind everyone, too, that if you like to listen through a podcast format, well, you can find us on about any f- podcast provider out there. If you search under Working Ranch Radio Show, you will find us. And today's episode is 51. Now, it's going to be just a little bit different here. Here this week as as uh, we're going to be as i said earlier we are live coming to you from las vegas the working ranch expo the first annual working ranch expo recently uh, wrapped up in las vegas as we held it the december 8th 9th and 10th and uh, with that we had several speakers on the stage to present and on uh, topics that were very relevant to our ranching industry and just some phenomenal speakers. We appreciate the Captain Tim O'Byrne for kind of getting that organized and put together. And so we're going to be pulling aside a couple of those speakers. Now, one you've heard before, of course, meteorologist Don Day, we have as a regular uh, contributor to our show as we talk about long-term weather. Not only is he going to talk about that, but we're going to be getting into what he talked about down here as well. And that is really us getting better about being more with the weather, not being so reactive and understanding and seeing that there are are signs, there are things that we can be looking at that can help help us in identifying when the next major drought's going to happen. And from a ranching perspective, if somebody could give you a really good uh, pretty accurate forecast of what the weather's going to be doing wouldn't that be helpful so we're going to be talking with meteorologist don day about some of those kinds of things then dr arn anderson he's actually going to be coming up here first and just in our next segment but dr anderson uh, he's been a featured columnist in the ask the vet section of the working ranch magazine from time to time we're going to be talking about why that relationship with your veterinarian is so important and really in the long run how it could save you money. So with all of that, that's kind of who we're going to be visiting with here today. And I've also, I might mention too, that I've also been told I got a surprise guest coming up. I'm not quite sure who that is just yet, but uh, stay with us and we're going to have that surprise guest here that I'm not quite sure who it is just yet uh, here later on in our program. We would like to thank our sponsors of the Working Ranch Radio Show, the American Simmental Association. You know, there was a survey done several years ago that showed the growth in the different breeds of bulls sourced by commercial producers between the years of 2014 and 20. Did you know that the largest growth in bull breed type during that time well, it was bulls with sim genetics. So heterosis works. The ranchers are seeing that. The commercial producers are seeing that, which is why with Simmental, it's more per head, period. Find out more at Simmental.org. Well, don't go far. When we come back, the captain, Tim O'Byrne, will be stopping by. We're going to be visiting about the Working Ranch Expo that uh, we're just wrapping up here in Las Vegas. And, of course, later in our program, Dr. Arn Anderson will be in and meteorologist Don Day. You're listening to the Working Ranch Radio Show show on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM.
It's a competitive calf market, and buyers want calves that will perform, period. And a proven solution is Simmental. In fact, data from the Tri-County Steer Carcass Fatirity from 2002 through 2018 on nearly 60,000 head of calves revealed that Simmental sired calves represented the highest carcass-valued sire group over English and other continental breed groups. And the sire group that was the second highest carcass value was Simangus sire. So, the proof's right there. For low-risk, high-potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. And what's better than to have Tim's two cents was to actually have, we're going to have like Tim's two minutes. We're going we're gonna to be able to spend some time with the Captain Tim O'Byrne. He is here with us as we are broadcasting from the Working Ranch Expo in Las Vegas. And the Captain, thanks for being here. But you just told me in the last seminar here with Gerald Horner, you were bumping me off the roster. What's that? I was thinking about it, but I thought I, I, I thought better of it. That's when I told you I was kicking you off the magazine for the next <laughs> issue. <too. laughs> so, you know, this this is the first year for Working Ranch Expo. A lot of work put, went in to make this all happen. You were a part of that whole process. And as uh, we're on the tail end of it, uh, coming coming out of this, what's your thoughts so far? Well, I got to thank the team, Stacy Fox, Gina Bryson, um, everybody on the team that helped get this off the ground. Um, you know, everybody knows I couldn't organize a bingo game. <laughs> and there's so many moving parts to putting one of these things together. We're, we've always been to NCBA. We've always been to Angus. Um, but we just kind of blow in and blow out. Mm-hmm. This is a whole different deal. There's uh, uh, The learning curve is enormous. Uh, I think our team did a terrific job. I think the venue is absolutely perfect for us. Las Vegas mm-hmm. Convention Center during NFR. It just couldn't be any better. We see so many of our people in town at this time of year. And it just it just turns into a big party. And, and now to have this element added to the Cowboy Christmas element, which a lot of folks already know that. Of course, Cowboy Christmas is packed. Mm-hmm. It's just wall-to-wall people every single year. This is different though, Justin. I mean, we've got tractors here. We've got nutrition companies. We've got great equipment companies here. We've got just about everything you could ever want for your outfit is going to be in this expo. And, you know, this is a start and, you know, I'm really happy with year one Mm -hmm. here. I just, everybody is happy. We're going to grow this sucker, and I'll tell you what, it's going to be something else. I just yeah. really feel it. Well, you know, one of the comments that I heard you talked about it just a little bit ago was that there, there's a lot of shows in Las Vegas you can go to or trade shows you can go to. There's not very many where you're going to just see ranch and equipment like what you see here, and that's what sets separates it us uh, this out from a lot of the other places too. And we can do really cool stuff, like for example, Sheremy Vitor, she uh, mm-hmm. Westway Feeds, she just came up to us on on the first day and said, "Let's have a dummy roping," and it's like. What? That's a great idea. And somebody threw a thousand bucks in the pot. And then she comes back and says, actually, somebody threw another 500 bucks up there. Cal Ranch Supply, they, they, uh, they threw another big bag of NFR, uh, gear and, and mm-hmm. all kind of stuff that, that's, I think it's just, we have the ability to do yeah. that creative stuff and, and, and grow that. I mean, that's just, fantastic we can do anything we want there is no shortage of floor space in las vegas nevada for for the growth of a show yeah that's right and so uh we're we're really happy the nfr has been sold out since march here and i mean 
everybody's so stoked to get it back mm -hmm. here to Las Vegas. And, and you can just tell. Everybody you talk to is so happy for it to be mm -hmm. here. There's an energy here you're never going to find anywhere else. Yep. Let's switch subjects real quick. I know you just put the, the next issue to bed. Let's give me some, maybe a couple highlights of some things we can be looking for in the next issue of Working Ranch Magazine. Well, the f first thing I want to say about that is, uh, uh, again, back to the team, our production team is amazing. We, we simultaneously on the same day put the Jan Feb 2022 issue. That's volume 17, guys. Mm -hmm. We started this thing in 2006 off a of cocktail napkin <laughs> and and we're we put that issue to bed on the very first day that this expo opened and i'll tell you what that was a monumental job we pulled it off with very few glitches um we got some great articles coming up here in the jan feb issue solid brd advice with dr step from bowringer ingelheim colorado's noble ranch is featured and that was done by troy smith our senior editor he always comes up with great articles uh, we're featuring the Nebraska Cattlemen's Association in the state-by-state. Uh, -state. That was a great uh, section that we put in about six, seven years ago where we feature the state cattlemen. So we just, we've been drawing them literally out of a fishbowl. You know, <laughs> what we're going to do next, who we're going to do next. We've probably done at least 25 or 30 of them. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, it just fascinates me what these organizations are up to that we re never really hear about. Yeah. And then we, we ask them, we give them a two-page spread. What are you guys doing? Oh my gosh, you guys are up to so many cool things. <laughs> We're talking about high-tech tags too. Uh, that's the, mm -hmm. the the temperature tags. There's a couple of feed yard temp tags out there. that are The, 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 the innovation is really amazing. And I know it's really going to help out a lot. A couple of really good vaccine articles by Gilda V. Bryant, uh, Fed to be bred and uh, management over medicine. We're talking about BRD lung damage there. And uh, Ranch Wheels is the backhoe itch. We're, we've, we're featuring backhoes, which is... Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is, I mean, cleaning out irrigation ditches and digging, digging. I mean, that's a, kind of a, yeah. a a serious thing to have on the ranch it if is. you can get it. Yeah, it is. It's it's kind of one of those things that you think, well, we'll just have to hire that out. But I, I have a backhoe, and I will tell you, whether it's digging up a hydrant to adding something in on a water line, they're useful. So, well, we're looking forward to the next issue of Working Ranch Magazine. So, Captain, I want to thank you for taking the time. I know you're busy getting things done here at the Expo, so I want to thank you for stopping by here and visiting with us here today. Justin, you are doing such a spectacular job. Uh, folks, if you uh, want to see what we put into this, Go on our Facebook page, and all of these seminars that Justin and I have been hosting over the last three days are are up there. We, we've done them live, got a really mm -hmm. good uh, response from them. A lot of people are saying thank you for putting the seminars up there like that. So you did a great job. Appreciate it a lot. Thank you. Well, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, the Captain Tim O'Byrne joining us here. Stay with us when we come back. Dr. Arn Anderson will be joining us, and we'll be talking about how important it is to have that good relationship with your veterinarian. We'll be back with more on the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. Cattle producers, here's a way to put more dollars in your pocket. Put the Amifirm advantage found in all Gain Smart Mineral to work in your cow herd. Amifirm is the industry leader in increasing fiber digestion. In fact, research shows putting Amifirm to work increases forage utilization by 10%, reducing overall forage costs and allowing you to graze more animals per acre. That's a big time return on your investment. To find which Gain Smart Mineral formula is right for your herd, visit gainsmart.com. 
Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and a little bit different format in our program here today. We're glad to have you tuning in as we recently wrapped up the first ever Working Ranch Expo in Las Vegas that was held Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday during the National Finals Rodeo. And by the way, we had several speakers that were presenting down here uh, on the Neogen stage. And one of the things I want to mention that if you go to Working Ranch Magazine's Facebook page, all of those presentations were put on Facebook Live. And you can go back and you can listen to those again. Uh, Some very dynamic speakers, very good topics that we had throughout the three days and as we are just wrapping things up here on this uh, on this last weekend of the finals then uh, with that we're able to visit with some of those that were presenting one of those being Dr. Arn Anderson is like I said earlier Dr. Anderson uh, is a featured columnist from time to time in the ask the vet section of working ranch magazine and so with that Dr. Anderson we thank you for joining us here today on the working ranch radio show no problem thank you for having me now, your presentation that you gave today, you, you were a speaker for us in a couple different things, but specifically the one today, I thought it was interesting because it was about the relationship you can have with your veterinarian and how important that, that is to your, to your operation. I think I, I, there was a period of my time where I was a banker for a little bit of that time. And, and what I, I thought was interesting is you were talking about, there's kind of that, maybe some similarities there. And sometimes we don't always, we're not always as forthright as maybe we should. And if we were more forthright, it would help that relationship with our veterinarian. And I want to, and I want to talk about how important that, that relationship it is because what that veterinarian can do for your operation. Absolutely. You know, part of the problem is we, we have an image in our mind of how veterinary medicine was used 50 years ago, 20 years ago. Uh, It's evolved, it's changed. Mm -hmm. And if we have a production team uh, what we try to emphasize is let us become part of your team. Let us come in there and, and, and you know, we've established my, in our clinics, we've established beef co-ops or, and, and these are whole groups of ranches and veterinarians and experts that can get together to solve immediate problems that we have. And that's the atmosphere that we want to generate. Mm-hmm. So, so, so today when you were talking with the folks here and of course these, all of our, our, um, speakers went out on Facebook live on working ranch magazines, Facebook page that you can go back and listen to. You outlined some things though, that you offered for advice to those, the folks that were here that just some things about, you know, from production goals to your, to records. Let's talk about those points that you were, you were listing out here today. Sure. So part of this, and, and not to go into too much detail, but the, but the idea is to sit down. If the ranch wants to be on point B within five years, how do we achieve that? And if we're, if we're raising pounds of beef, then the idea is let's sit down and how do we achieve the most pounds of beef for the animals that we have, for the environment that we have, mm-hmm. uh, for the finances that we have? And how can veterinary medicine help you achieve that? Can we can we breed our way out of some disease problems? Can we, can we use less vaccine here and more, more uh, dewormers where we might make more money? The idea is to sit down, define that goal, and then set production uh, management parameters that we're trying to achieve, like more pounds weaned, more cows bred, um, higher fertility rates. Eventually, we are all grass farmers. Eventually, we are all beef producers Mm -hmm. and and from conception to consumption your veterinarian can sit in there and help you make the tweaks to get where you want to be 
I, I think sometimes for, for ranchers, we think, well, the only experience or times that I have with a veterinarian is they cost me money. <laughs> well, that, that goes back to the question I asked is how many of y'all feel that uh, hiring a veterinarian loses your profit? Um, we hear this. Yeah. A lot. We actually hear it a lot. But but part of the thing that we tell our new associates um, is is when you go out, the first time you go out on a ranch, you're there to palpate cows, test bulls, vaccinate heifers, whatever the job is. Do your job. Don't do anything else. Do your job because that trust that you're talking about sometimes takes years to achieve. Mm -hmm. It doesn't come overnight. Um, you're, you're not in ranching just as a fluke. It's taken years for you to get to where you're at and, and you're, it's going to take a while to trust. But if our associates can go out, do a good job, make notes of what they think they can improve, then the next time they go out, they may bring one thing up mm -hmm. and you may talk about that. And eventually, after a long period of time, you'll get to where you become part of the team. As a, as a veterinarian, and you talk about the associates that you're dealing with too, if we could narrow it down to a couple major things that you could say, here's what would help us be your veterinarian better. What would those be two couple so, things? So probably the number one thing is use your veterinarian as an unbiased source of information. If we have 20 other inputs coming in, we don't mind other inputs, but there has to be a point where you draw a line to reach a goal. And we often will prescribe a herd health plan and then find out that we were derailed by a feed store um, because it was cheaper that day mm -hmm. or it was more available that day, whatever this product is. So use your, use your veterinarian as a resource of unbiased information. That's probably number one. And, and, and number two, be honest with them. It, it, they're there to make you money. Mm -hmm. And if they're not, then be honest. So it's an honesty deal. It's an honesty deal. And it's, uh, it's let them be an unbiased source of information. Mm -hmm. When you talk about that, I think there's, there's a deal there in some ways of, you know, some folks would say, well, are they unbiased? They're actually having to, you know, they sell product too. So are they going to offer an unbiased opinion or are they going to try to sell product? And I think now we're dealing with some things that is maybe out of your control, but there's, that's, that's there's, an honest opinion. That's an honest. Yeah, product. no, there's a fine line there. And, and some veterinarians do a wonderful job at selling products and, and some veterinarians like our clinic, um, have decided to get out of the, the, the pharmaceutical business. Okay. It allows us to be more unbiased, but I know veterinarians that sell products that you can tell their, your goals to, and they can honestly tell you which products to choose. And, and that's what you want. And if you're not achieving that, then honestly move to another clinic. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the goal here is to ask the question, why? So why am I using this product? Is it the best? Is it because we're getting a large rebate from it or is it the best because it, it covers my animal at a level that I want to be at? Mm -hmm. When you look at the, the industry as a whole and, and, and I know we got to be cautious here. We talked about it a little bit yesterday in our session when we talked about the fact that there are a tremendous amount of things that we can provide our animals inputs. And boy, I, I mean, we could, we can go from being a minimalist to absolutely nothing, maybe a pour on every year to, to really being overboard with our animal health in terms of giving them every product that's out there. From your perspective as a veterinarian and, and advising uh, a rancher, 
that that point of where where do we need to be at with that versus just doing everything out there and then we absolutely i mean we shoot our profit in the foot because we're given 50 to 75 dollars per head worth of of input so this is where we talked about break-even points and about goals and it, it you know, there, there was a situation where we lined up five feedlots to come and talk to cow-calf producers about what they expected because these feedlots were receiving calves from us. So we designed a product to meet their needs. And there's a level of input that went into that to keep our cow-calf operations profitable, but also provide our feedlots with what they wanted. So it's, it's, a, it's a combination. It's a tight, tight, tightrope uh, walking on it in the fact that you want to reach the goals, and you want to be profitable doing it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there are some situations where you can go with no input and be very profitable. And there's others where you're going to have to increase that input to reach uh, the requirements of where you're selling your cattle or well, where you are selling your product. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've done some other interviews with folks as we've talked about everything from, from longevity in cattle to, uh, you know, the size of your cattle, how much feed you're putting in your cattle and, and those kinds of things. Because as we heard yesterday in one of our speakers about really getting a business mind around our production, our enterprise, um, one of the things that I keep hearing in a lot of my different interviews as well is have a conversation with your veterinarian about, you know, whether we're talking about winter and cattle to minerals, mineral issues that we're dealing. And, and I just keep hearing that conversation, that topic coming up, or that's that, that saying, have this conversation with your vet about those things. And I think it's going back to, you know, your goals. Yeah. You're, you're setting goals and you're looking for that source of information and, and you want to find that individual that can sit down and tell you, you know, your, your goal is to do X and to get there. We, we have to do Y and Z. Mm-hmm. Our guest today is Dr. Arn Anderson, as uh, we have, uh, he was a speaker down here at the Working Ranch Expo in Las Vegas, and uh, we've been talking t today here about that relationship with your veterinarian. We're going to be back with more in just a moment. You're listening to the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. Animal health is key to your business, so how do you track cattle health treatments? Well, stop relying on pen and paper or complicated programs. Performance Beef helps you record processing data, enter costs, and track animal health history all in real time at the shoot. The mobile app also makes it easy to log pasture and pen treatments on the go. Your health data is integrated with feed and financial information in one easy-to-use platform, accessible from your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Find Performance Beef online to request a demo. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills. We're glad to have you tuning in here for our program coming to you from Las Vegas and our show here uh, as we have the first annual Working Ranch Expo that was held during the last part of the National Finals Rodeo. This is the first show for the Working Ranch Magazine to host this event. We had a great turnout of folks and some great speakers. As you just heard a little bit ago, Dr. Arn Anderson sharing with us about the value of having a good relationship with your veterinarian. Now, also 
also, I told you at the top of the program that we were going to have a surprise guest. I didn't really know even who it was at the time because I was sitting here recording and wasn't sure. I just got slipped a note and wasn't sure what was going to happen. But nevertheless, I am pleased to have our next guest with us. And I'll and I'll tell you right now, if you have been to a rodeo anywhere across the country or you've been to the National Finals Rodeo uh, through uh, over the, the years, then this particular name you're going to recognize. And I am pleased to have with us rodeo announcer Mr. Bob Tallman. And Bob, we sure appreciate you ha- having you here with us today. You know, it was about a year ago when I started doing the show for Working Ranch Magazine, and uh, we were coming up ahead of the National Finals Rodeo in November, and I reached out to you to get a hold of you about uh, sitting down with me to talk about the upcoming National Finals Rodeo, because a lot of changes last year, and you were busy. We were just kind of getting things going, and uh, and I know we couldn't get hooked up with that interview, but nevertheless, I knew you I knew you would have if, if you weren't trying to get things also put together with everything going on in Arlington, Texas, but nevertheless, we are glad to have you here today on our program. Justin, it's um, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Now, you have to understand, a year ago today, uh, we were in Arlington, Texas, and uh, that's where we had uh, not a makeshift. It was a complete NFR for the Wrangler NFR project. But the, the key to this thing is when you called me back in November, we were already <laughs> under compliance and protocol, and we knew 30 days out what we had to do, what we were, where we were going to be, uh, with the Texas Rangers in the baseball stadium in Arlington. And it was the best put together in a hurry, 94 yes. day project I've ever seen in my life. Now I'm a Nevadan, so I'm big on being in Nevada, mm-hmm. but I've lived in Texas now for 40 years and I'm very proud of what they did. I'm proud of what Las Vegas events helped them do and very proud of the Texans that made it work. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to you, trying to figure out where we're we going to get together, where, how we're going to take yeah. this. And uh, I'm always proud. Tim's had me on this show off and on for yeah. years. And the thing with it today, and I brought my buddy Chad Holt from MLS, yeah. uh, from Mid-Continent Livestock Supplies. I have been um, quite well decorated in the rodeo business, but I'm proud of my farm side, ranch side, rodeo side and my livestock side. And uh, I've been working with these people for better than a decade now. And we do this year round. I've got uh, big black tubs that say MLS on them. You'll see us in their brochures. You'll see us uh, on their Facebook talking about what we do in a one-stop shopping center and putting the tub out. We've got about 10 different kinds of tubs. But the thing is, cattle need extra today. We have over-farmed our ground. We have overworked our ground, and um, fertilizer cannot make it all work in order to have the end result nutrient. Now, where you used to live in Montana, (laughs) when you were the GM at the Nile, and you think about, um, and I used to live in Baker City, Oregon, Mm -hmm. okay? We cut hay from Easter to Thanksgiving, and we fed hay from Thanksgiving to Easter. Mm -hmm. So whether you're feeding Timothy and meadow hay, wild hay, and or alfalfa hay um in the farming world we've still got to find a way unless we can go to native land and our cattle today are wusses they can't (laughs) do that anymore but if you live in west texas where i come from cattle need extra because the grounds wore out the hays wore out the feeds wore out and most of the time, people's pickups wore out. <laughs> but it's, yeah. I'm so excited to see this working ranch 
expo things start this year. And I'm sitting here looking at uh, case tractors and a baler that looks like it comes from outer space. <laughs> I'm seeing what the Cal Ranch people do in supporting the 4-H. If you would have come over to uh, the other expo center in the South Hall, uh, I've been over selling rifles. Uh, we're raising money for Nevada 4-H kids, and we tried to raise $100,000 this year. And there is such a multitude of opportunity of vendors and products and lifestyle-changing things. In our business with MLS, um, we work very hard every day in the manufacturing of cooking tubs with nutrients that a cow knows what she needs when she needs it and keeping them available to them. But I got baby calves three weeks old that I've seen with their mother standing there licking on that tub too. And everybody says, well, if a cow's got plenty of nutrients in them, it'll go through the milk. Calves can use it too. And that's in a fast gaining calf because we, I don't like pulling calves mm -hmm. and I like my calves at 80 pounds or under. And we got good, big, black, solid Angus cattle that can, you know, have a hundred pound mm -hmm. calf, but I don't want them that way because I got 60 pound calves on MLS tubs with their mother and their milk, hay in the winter. And people say, oh, he lives in Texas. Uh, that's simple. Listen, folks, last winter, it got 10, 12 and 14 <laughs> below for six days. We were out of power for eight days. Thank God that I had Generac generators, and we worked. Well, in those days, I built windbreaks like I was raised with in Nevada and Oregon, where I came from. And um, our cabin shelters were full of baby calves, and I'd surround them with tubs, and the tubs would be – I've seen calves lay down next to them as a windbreak. Mm -hmm. But I saw calves eating chopped hay that we – cows eating chopped hay we put out for them, and the calves wanted to get in those windrows and lay down. And so what we would do is we would chop hay and put it out behind the windrows in segments. And I put tubs and calving shelters in between there. And we taught those cattle when, because they're not ready for 10, 12 below yeah, zero. Yeah. And it happened overnight and it lasted eight days. And with all the feed and, and supplements that we put out, I had cows that lose. Chad, if I'm wrong, you nod to me and tell me, but I had cows lose 150 pounds in a week. Hmm. And they were bedded in hay, good hay. And uh, so my farming side, my ranch side, and uh, my love side, because I'm a fifth-generation cow-calf guy. It's all started in 1903 in Denial, Nevada. And um, we're still doing some of the same practices. But good people with good cattle with good feed, mm -hmm. good and good, I mean, good everything that you can have today that's available to you will have a good profit. You bet. Well, Bob, I, I appreciate you go, you coming here. You know, as I introduced you, I mean, so many folks think, oh, you know, there's there, there's a rodeo announcer and, and you're going to go down in, in PRCA history as one of the best rodeo announcers that the, that the business has ever seen and ever had. And, but at the same time, I appreciate your perspective because, as you said, first and foremost, you're a ranch boy. You're, oh, yeah. you're a rancher and That's you're still there today. I was raised in a one-room schoolhouse in a valley with 25 ranches and no fences. Hmm. And so in April, when we'd turn cattle out in commons with 20 other ranches, yep. the school teacher was a buckaroo, too, and she went with us. And when you'd put together six, seven, 7,000 head of cattle, and you went to the mountain with them in the summer. We lived in the mountains, but we went to the feed grounds and the good grass and the high country. Everybody went. And uh, in those days, it was amazing because... Buckaroos got paid four bucks a day, huh. all right? And we had a bunkhouse full of them. And we were, we're based 
right on the edge of the Paiute Indian Reservation at McDermott, Nevada. So you, had a, you need to understand that the cultural change in the world has not really changed that much, but the people have. Mm-hmm. And we've become a spoiled society to additives and incentives. And in the rodeo business today, the only additive that we have that we can teach young people is try. And the only thing we can base anything on success is faith. The next thing would be in the ranching world, it still requires try, family unity, uh, bigger tractors. Yes, if you're trying to to farm faster. But I still have some friends um, that uh, drive a team of horses or a team of mules and put cut hay or a sickle bar mower. Yeah. 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 And I don't know how many of them stack it with a Derrick anymore, but that's the way I was raised. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that coming from Montana. <laughs> uh, I don't think Texas has ever done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They would they would wonder what are those wooden relics out there? Oh yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, shocking hay and yeah, picking it up. But that's growing up, you know. And uh, I mean, you go into in these places, and I still, I in fact, on our ran- I'm from Wyoming originally, and that's where I'm back at the ranch yep. now. Yeah, and I can take you to a spot and take you to a couple of those right now. Well, I know there's a couple of them old derricks that got to be a hundred years old <laughs> that are built. Um, out of spliced uh, junipers, and that's like petrified wood. Yeah. And they cut it on an angle and notch them and hook them together and then put some kind of old glue or something in there, rosin, and then they'd harden them, and uh, they're still standing, and they've been there 100 years. Yeah. It's amazing. God bless agriculture. (laughs) Let me do a chant if you don't mind. You bet. I do this. At the rodeo in two weeks at Fort Worth. I do it at Houston, now in the Astrodome, and now in NRG Stadium. I do it at Reno. I do it at Calgary. And I try to convince the neophytes to agriculture to understand something. (laughs) People, we feed you. And my soapbox is that 2% of the population in the world raise the food for 98%. And 90% of the 98 will waste a lot of food. You need to understand that every major supermarket, every major meat market, every packing house does not grow that stuff in the back and cut it and put it in a rack or on a shelf for you to buy, purchase. If you buy a piece of meat, buy God, pork, fish, chicken, I don't care what it is, don't waste it. Mm-hmm. Because with the 2% of us, and our, our numbers are narrowing, our yeah. costs are doubling, and agriculture is the only business in the world that pays retail and sells wholesale and um there's a lot there's a lot of things to be said for that that it works but we've got a lot of interventions and it's worldwide not just governmental in this country please remember two percent of us at the table feed the rest of the table so when you buy it steal it borrow it do whatever you do cook it right don't waste it eat it right don't waste it and there's a big word called leftovers learn how to prepare them and serve your family again you bet thank you jesus (laughs) well our guest today mr bob tallman prca rodeo announcer but first and foremost rancher and uh, grew up in in nevada and oregon area and of course now calls uh, west texas home but bob thanks for joining us here on the working ranch radio show Thank you, buddy. Merry Christmas. Bob Tallman, our guest here today. Don't go away. We're going to be back with more here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. When we come back, meteorologist Don Day joins us for an extended version of our weather segment. We'll be back with more after this.
ka-ching. More pounds, more calves, more profit. Studies show Hereford Genetics increased net profit by $51 per cow per year. That's $20,000 in additional revenue for a typical 400-cow outfit. And calves sired by Hereford bulls continue to add value through the chain. A documented $30 per head in feedlot profitability. That's real money and real results. Get more ka -ching. Come home to Hereford at Hereford.org. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills. We're glad to have you tuned in for our program coming to you from Las Vegas. And if you're just tuning in now, the Working Ranch Expo taking place the last three days uh, down here, uh, the Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday in uh, Las Vegas during the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. Dr. Arn Anderson was our guest in our first segment here today and uh, just recently wrapping up our conversation with rodeo announcer and rancher Bob Tallman. And I know folks in the rodeo industry and in the ranching world, uh, you've definitely familiar with uh, Bob Tallman so appreciate him stopping by we're going to do something a little bit different with meteorologist Don Day who is with me as well we presented down here as one of the speakers at the Working Ranch Expo we're going to actually have a couple segments with him and, and have him kind of talk a little bit about what he talked about down here and Don glad to have you joining us all the way down here in Las Vegas for the Working Ranch Expo Thanks for having me. Anytime I can come to Vegas, it's fun. And I, actually, anytime it can happen during the NFR, even better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got to get a lot done in one shot here. So uh, in our next segment, folks, we're going to be getting into our normal long-term weather outlook for for the country. But in this particular uh, section here, Don, I want to talk a little bit about what you're down here to talk about with producers and folks that uh, can, can watch this show uh, here or on Facebook Live as well. But really, it's it's a lot about um first of all you're going to share with folks the causes of why are we seeing these wet and dry spells and just really down to the science of this uh, and first let's talk about that yeah I, that's what i always like to do is i think everyone has a better idea of what's going on if they have some background because the science behind it is not terribly complicated so i want to talk a little bit about what happens when we get into these really droughty periods in the central and western united states why they happen and also how producers can be a little bit more proactive with drought and wet periods instead of reactive because we have learned a lot mm -hmm. and we've got a lot more to learn but between understanding historical patterns and and the newest technologies with computer modeling we can actually start to get to the point where we can start to anticipate drought anticipate wetter periods better than we have before part of that metric part of that uh, way of being able to describe it and communicate it uh is is tricky because um you know i'm in the weather forecast business everyone says i'd love to be right half the time and still keep my <laughs> job you know, hear that all that time right so it's like you can't tell me what's going to happen next saturday why should i believe what you're going to say are are we going to be in a drought in the next year well large-scale weather pattern trends in the united states and across a lot of North America are really tied very, very strongly to the Pacific Ocean. And that's the thing that I want to impress on folks. And, and that's what I've really been doing for the last several years from my work in studying historical weather trends and patterns and understanding that the Pacific Ocean is the largest ocean. Mm -hmm. It's it's the largest object on the earth and the amount of water that the Pacific Ocean has, and then if you take the volume of the air or the atmosphere above it, 
Well, if the Pacific is going to go through different changes with, with especially sea surface temperatures, that's going to affect the air above it. And all of that is upwind from North America. So it really behooves us to understand the weather in the Pacific to understand the weather in North America, mm -hmm. especially Western North America. We tend to live day by day with the weather. We tend to look at the weather, what's coming up over the next three or four days to plan and everything else. And a lot of times, since we're always looking forward, we tend to forget what's happened in the past. And what uh, I have learned from some uh, folks that I learned from, and the, you know, the saying goes, I stand on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. You know, and I really do. I have the, the uh, privilege of being taught meteorology and weather forecasting uh, from some really experienced and, and, and well-known and accomplished weather forecasters themselves who did not, when they learned, they did not have what we have now. Mm -hmm. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have the weather on your phone. Yep. And, and so what they had to do is they had to work harder to understand the weather. And so um, I was able to pick that up. And, and there was a phase in, in my career to where I just wanted to look at all the fancy graphics mm -hmm. and the computer models and the high technology. And I don't want to discount that. That's really important. But what gets lost in our technology and our uh, in the lifestyles and the, and the period of time where we live in is we want answers right away. And we want that forecast and, and we want to go out as far as we possibly can. And we can do that now with a lot of our, with our, our computer modeling, but we have forgotten historically the trends that have happened before. Studying those historical trends, you start to see patterns emerge. Sure, which is which is kind of where we're, we've talked, and we've talked about that on our program here a little bit about understanding these patterns. Because, I mean, you're just shaking your head thinking, we knew this last drought was going to happen. Right. I mean, for, so so I call myself old school. So the old school of weather forecasting that I do is called analog forecasting, which is what has happened historically? What were the weather patterns 10, 20, or 30, or 40 years ago? And then apply that to what's going to happen in the future, because we all know droughts happened before. Okay, we go through these droughts. We go through these wet cycles. So why do we ignore those previous events? And we do have data for those. Mm -hmm. And so um, this past 24 months, Let's go to rewind in 2019. 2019 was one of the wettest years in the lower 48 states on record. I mean, they were letting waters out of dams in California because there was too much water. And they were worried about breaking. There was almost no part of the United States that was in any drought in spring of 2019. Now, a lot of folks will say, no way. Mm -hmm. We've been in a permanent drought, you know, forever. It seems like it. Yeah. But, yeah. but we weren't. And what happened in 2019 is we had a really strong El Nino. We had a very warm subtropical Pacific Ocean, and that lends to a very wet pattern for Western North America. However, historical trends would say that after you reach a, a peak in the, of, the line, of the El Nino, you're going to see, a, it's like a rubber band snapping. Sure. Mother Nature always goes to balance itself and correct itself. So the odds of us going into a La Nina pattern were very high in 2020 and 2021. On top of that, is the solar impact. And we knew that we were going into our solar minimum beginning in two, late 2019, but especially in 2020. Historically, after a strong La Nina, you, rather a strong El Nino event like we had in 2019, mm -hmm. 
you, you're going to go into a La Nina. But if you go into a La Nina during solar minimum, the odds go up greatly that the Western United States could go into a drought pattern, which is exactly what's happened. Now, why weren't people predicting that? Why weren't you hearing it all over the news? Why, yeah. why wasn't that in the 90-day outlook from the National Weather Service, all of those things? It's because they tend to bias their long-range predictions only on computer modeling and very little analog forecasting. Now, there's some of that in their equations, but if you build the technology, if you build the model, you, you want to use it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so the thing is, is that a lot of us old school folks say, okay, even if the computer, you know, I will tell you that some of the computer models were predicting it to be wet in the Western United States really? in 2020. But you you say, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense on the way what we, we know it works. And so what ends up happening is the models always catch up to the old school of weather forecasting, but the old school of weather forecasting tends to give you a leg up, tends to give you a hint. And so what ends up happening, and, and I see this in, in the business of weather forecasting, when whether it's your forecasting for people who plow roads, whether you're yeah. forecasting for people who are in the commodities business, you don't want to be reactive to the weather. You want to be proactive. We have gone through many generations of being reactive to weather for good reason, because the forecasting technology is only up to a certain point where we're able to anticipate things. But from a producer standpoint, from making stocking decisions, do I have a really wet year in 2019? We got great grass. I'm going to stock up, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But no one's talking about a drought coming in 2020 or 21. Yeah. And so wouldn't it have been good if, it's communicated to producers that after a strong El Nino and a strong wet pattern, odds are higher you're going to go drier mm -hmm. than wetter. So it's a it's a little bit of a it's a it's it's I don't want to call it a game, but it can get a little bit complicated with these back and forth uh, conditions out in the Pacific. But they definitely are patterns that repeat themselves, and there are some tools that producers can use that are not complicated that are easy to understand to help stay ahead of the head of these wet and dry periods. You bet. Our guest today is meteorologist Don Day, as uh, we are talking about uh, a little bit more extensive about the weather. Some of the stuff we've talked a little bit here on our show, and I think it's good to repeat. We're going to continue on. We're not done talking with meteorologist Don Day. We're going to, we're going to have more when we come back. You're listening to the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. Do you have a young child, grandchild, niece, or nephew that loves the weather and wants to learn more? Just in time for the holiday season, Dayweather has produced a children's weather journal full of weather facts, fun weather experiments, coloring pages, and pages to record weather observations for every season of the year. The weather journal is for ages 3 to 7 and designed to be fun and educational. The interactive weather projects are fun for the whole family to take part in. For only $10, the Dayweather weather journal is a great stocking stuffer idea. Click on our Amazon link to order at dayweather.com. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. I'm your host, Justin Mills, as we head into our final segment here today on our program, meteorologist Don Day joining us. And we're going to get to, to long-term weather forecast, which is always what we have usually in this segment. But Don, one of the things that you were talking about a little bit ago was being more proactive rather than reactive and i guess that's why i feel 
my our weather and conversations that we have in every show is is vitally important because i think uh from the perspective of us making ranch good ranch decisions it's about that a fact to know you know at this point in time and i'm not going to hold you to the exact months or date but what's our next major drought now i know we're going to have some some short spots between now and then but what from your perspective and based upon analog forecasting what is the next major drought well the good news is i do see a cycling out of our current one Mm -hmm. um and the next major drought uh, from my studies and going back looking at historical patterns is about every nine to eleven years we're going to have a severe drought in the western united states and that's going to be correlated very strongly to repeating La Nina cycles and solar minimums. Mm -hmm. Um, And you tend to have your worst droughts during those periods of time. And if you go back and look, the last three really bad drought periods, right where we are now, 2020, 2021, 2010 to 2011, and then 2000 to 2001, 2002, they're spaced apart about nine to 11 years. So, if we were to go forward, it's going to be around 2030, 2031. We're going to have a pattern similar to this. In between that, we're going to cycle through El Ninos and La Ninas of different flavors, but the most intense La Nina patterns when the Pacific gets into these cold periods is going to be around every nine to 11 years or so. Mm-hmm. So the good news is there's sometimes it's darkest before light, <laughs> yeah. and that's kind of where we are now. I'm I'm quite optimistic that the spring summer of 2022 into the year of 2023 will be better for mm-hmm. for producers in the central and western united states in terms of precipitation i know one of the biggest issues that's affected western producers is the accessibility to hay because this drought was so widespread i mean we've had every three years certain areas of the country might be in a drought situation but to see it as widespread as it was it really it really probably since i can remember one of the biggest hay situation years where it was like, oh my word, you know, and and as I've as I've talked to other folks, I, I mean, I don't suspect this next year to be uh, even close to what we've had the last couple of years in terms of drought. There might be some areas that are drier below normal, but to have the widespread drought that we had uh, the last couple of years probably isn't going to happen. No, I don't see that happening. If you if you were to compare hair pri- uh, hay prices and throw in inflation in there, you'd find that the, the drought of 2011 mm-hmm. around that 2012 Sim- very similar. Yeah. So so the that and that was what I was telling some folks as we went into 2020 is I I would tell them remember 2011 2012 hay prices that could be happening. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the proactive type of thing is 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 where you want to look forward to it. And remember when. Mother Nature works with the weather and the climate. All weather and climate is, is trying to reach equilibrium. It's a battle of trying to reach equilibrium. It never makes it, Mm -hmm. but it's a battle. And Mother Nature always self-corrects. And so what you'll see is you'll see these drought periods and these wet periods, and it's a back and forth battle. But some people have the perception that the weather and the climate should be the same all the time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it doesn't work that way the numbers don't back it (laughs) up but the perception is there and the perception is also there that the weather should be just like their grandpa's or what their dad's was yeah that's not true what what your grandpa experienced and the weather patterns that were in place then aren't necessarily the same ones you're going to be experiencing and so it's it's a it's a battle it's a tug of war and really understanding where you are at your point in time in weather history and understanding 
the Pacific, understanding these cold and warm periods is going to help you stay ahead of the curve and be more proactive mm-hmm. instead of react. All right. Well, let's get into what we normally talk about, and that is our long-term weather. We've seen that cold uh, from the northern latitudes now dipping down into the United States. Do we have a little more definity as to far as uh, where that's, you know, how long is that going to be? Is it, I know it looked like it was maybe going to rest more towards the central U.S. And and so do we have more uh, definition as far as what that's going to look like long term? Yeah, for the next three weeks, the, the good news for the far western United States is we're going to see some really good rains in the next week in California. Uh, really good heavy snows in the Sierras, uh, the Pacific Northwest, the Great Basin states are going to get into the action and the central and northern Rockies as well. Now, east of the Continental Divide, it's going to be drier. I am concerned about the southern plains, Texas, New Mexico, eastern Colorado, western Kansas, Oklahoma. I don't think they're going to share in the precipitation, but the rest of the West will. And as we evolve into the new year, Mm -hmm. we're going to see the central and the northern plains start to get colder and see the more concentrated cold into that area. But we're continuing to look at late December, January, and February as being pretty darn cold for a large part of the United States, especially from the divide into and through the northern plains and into the Midwest. There's going to be some back and forth. These cold air masses will move around a little bit. But, boy, everything we're seeing is, is and I just talked about how Mother Nature evens things yeah. out. Yeah. It was a very mild November, a very mild early December. Well, Mother Nature is going to go correct that <laughs> and even things out. Oh. Just, to, just to warn folks is that she likes to even the score. Yeah. All right. Well, Don, thanks for joining us here just in person. We are we are actually doing this interview in person here during the Working Ranch Expo, but thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, that's going to put a wrap on our program here for this week for this uh, a little bit different than we normally do, and we appreciate you joining us uh, as we come to you from Las Vegas at the Working Ranch Expo that was taking place. And also, uh, we want to thank our sponsors, the American Simmental Association. It's more per head, period. Find out more at Simmental.org. The Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine. As the captain shared with us here on today's program, some great articles coming up in the January-February issue. Well, if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can send me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Thanks again for joining us here on Rural Radio Channel 147 Sirius XM each and every Saturday and Sunday at 12 noon Eastern. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.